Everybody, hey, we got the whole Victory family with us today, so let's welcome them all in. Hey, we got Victory Hamilton Mill, Victory North Cobb, we see Victory Midtown, as well as we got family here locally, as well as Mexico, Jamaica, Sierra Leone. What is up, everybody? Um, hey, uh, welcome out to the third week of what we're calling our True North series, where we are really endeavoring to discover, to define, and then begin to crawl and then walk so we can run into the True North purpose that God has on our lives. And if today, if today that you are desperate to discover your purpose, your, your gifts, your calling, you are in the right place because today more than really any other uh, weekend in recent history, uh, here's really what I'm endeavoring to do is to move us past this big macro level of like, hey, we all have uh, God-given gifts and talents and abilities uh, and callings and really to call us down. I want today to be as practical as possible, even in, a, in, in our big spaces with a lot of people. I want it to be as individual as possible to begin answering this, how do I use my God-given gifts, talents, abilities to fulfill the call of God on my life? And this is so important because we, we've been kind of jumping off of this every week so far. Uh, Pastor Miles Monroe said this. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. Guys, it is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. So today, if you're wondering why you were given life, if you're asking this question of like, what is my purpose in life? You're in the right place because we define that week one. Here's the purpose. Do you guys remember it? What's our purpose? Now you're cheating because it's up there. But our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Come on, let's all say that together. My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man, don't overcomplicate it. Come on, don't have paralysis by analysis where you're sitting around burning your, eight, your teens, your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and then you get to the end of your life and you're like, I never walked in purpose because you overanalyze it. Listen, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God and enjoy him in the process. Be a disciple who makes disciples. Love Jesus and make him known. Come on. And so, but, but here's the thought, for, especially for today, guys. We don't wanna stay in the place of generalities forever because I, I don't want you to be handcuffed or, or, or have this paralysis by analysis, but I also do want you to have some clarity on maybe how do I individually live out that purpose? And that's what's called your calling, okay? So what is a calling? My calling is to use my gifts, my talents, my abilities, wherever God has placed me, from work to church to relationships, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so, so just so we're all on the same page, okay, maybe you're just kind of stepping into this series. For clarity, your purpose is different than your calling, okay? We all have the same purpose, which is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, to begin walking in that direction, okay? But we all have different callings. We all have different ways of accomplishing the same purpose, Okay, so God may call you to, to serve in different ways in different seasons or lead in different ways in different seasons or work different jobs in different ways in different seasons, but it's all heading in the same direction to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Whatever you're doing, God is leading you down that path of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So the big question today though is, what is the call of God on my life? What is my calling? 
All right, now, now I know it's a kind of an audacious thing with a lot of people. How, how do we start getting into that? But I believe God's gonna get us there, okay? So Paul writes this in Galatians 6, 4. Here's what he says. He says, make a careful exploration of two things, who you are and the work you've been given. I love that. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be overly impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. And that is our goal. Okay, that is our goal. That's where we start getting into the fact that there's a difference between, you know, uh, existing and living and surviving and thriving, right? And I believe this, and this is kind of our goal for you guys, is that you would not just live a, a life of surviving, but you would live a life of thriving. Come on, that Jesus Christ came so that you could have life and life more abundantly. He caused our death to come alive. And part of living a thriving life is discovering and then begin running in the calling of God on our life. What would it look like if we started dreaming about what our life in God's path might look like and then start putting our weight in that direction? But here's the question, how do we do it, all right? How do we get to this place of doing what God loves to do that we love to? And so here's what I wanna do, okay? Is the other campuses maybe not have heard as much as you guys here have in this room, but I wanna recap just a little bit of some of the Cliff Notes version of my life because I believe that there's, there's a big idea here in my life that maybe we can all glean from. So just kind of hang with me just for a few minutes. All right, so if you don't know my story, uh, I, I grew up in church. I, I, was a, I was the preacher's kid, okay? We grew up in Presbyterian church, which means a lot of choir robes, a lot of hymnals, 58-minute services, because you got to beat the Baptist to lunch. And uh, since I was the preacher's kid, the pastor's kid, I was the little kid who walked around the place like I owned it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, Jeremiah? Yeah, that's my son right there. Um, and, you know, I'd be in children's ministry goofing off. They'd get on to me, and I'm like, you'll never serve in this town ever again. I'm going to tell my dad, you know. And since I was the preacher's kid, I ate all the snacks in every room. That's just what I did. Um, but I didn't know Jesus. I grew up in church, but I didn't know Jesus. I was like Samuel in the Old Testament. Um, I was born again at 14 uh, at a youth uh, summer, like youth camp, which is why I'm such a big believer in youth camps, why I'm such a big believer in youth ministry. Come on, parents, you need to get your kids to youth. I don't care if they don't wanna go. Take them, drag them, drop them off and drive off, right? Because here's, here's the hint, they aren't the leader of the house. You are, you are, okay? So, um, I, uh, so I got born again at 14. Um, I loved baseball, okay? I grew up, uh, at four years old, I started playing baseball, played it all the way through high school. Um, I was pretty good. I was a pitcher, I was a first baseman, had a wicked knuckleball, That's what, that, was, that was my go-to. Um, but my, my sophomore summer, in high school playing summer ball, I, sh I shredded my rotator cuff and it was done. Like literally I was going to UGA baseball camp the next morning, I could, after I pitched, I could not get the ball to the, to like just even warming up, uh, throwing soft toss. And something, like the dream was done. And I had to sit out my junior year uh, of baseball. I lost all my friends, that whole community. Um, I tried to get back into it again in senior year, but it just wasn't the same, my arm was done. 
And, and so it was then, maybe not at the same degree as some, some of us today, but it was then when I look back at my story that I knew at 16, I had tasted at 16, what it's like to have a perceived trajectory for your life get derailed overnight. And the dream that you once had, that this is what my life's gonna look like, it's no longer there, right? That dream had died and all my friends had gone away in the process of that. And, but what had happened that, that junior year there in high school when I was, when I was sidelined, um, I was like, well, I gotta do something. And so I started taking acting classes at the high school. And I know some of you are like, of course you did. Um, but that's because you know me now, right? If you knew me then, like I was a shy, introverted jock. That's just what I was. I liked working out. I liked playing baseball. That was it. That's all I did with my life. And I'm telling you, something came alive. Something unlocked in me when I, when I entered into the, the drama world. In fact, um, I was voted uh, most likely to do something with acting once I got out of high school. I don't know if that panned out or not, but acting! <laughs> you know, so... And then what happened, I started you know, thinking about life after, after high school, right? And so I'm putting out my, my applications. I get rejected at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, I was living in North Carolina, which was the hugest disappointment because all my friends were going there. And that was my safety blanket. That was like my go-to. That was the easy decision. Just go where all my friends are going. Um, now, by the grace of God, he directed me to University of Georgia. Um, go dots. But I lost all my friends in the process. And it was in hindsight, yeah, I mean, you know, now I can like look back on it and smile. That was like one of the most depressed seasons of my life. Like that dream died. I lose all of my friends where I probably would have known a hundred people if I had gone to Chapel Hill. I knew one person at Georgia, my cousin. That was it. And he was in a frat. And that was not the direction I needed to be going with my life, even though I tried. And so in that summer between high school and, and college, uh, we were in a transition in our church. And so they actually asked me to be kind of like the, the interim youth pastor for, for the group, which I, I was like graduated for a week, you know. Um, and, but it was my first taste of trying to lead something. But then it was like God picked me up out of there and put me in completely foreign soil. And within the first month of going to Georgia, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I went to, I, I didn't know any, listen, I'm a Presbyterian boy. I know Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist. I went with an assembly of God kid. I don't know what that is. And I get sideswiped by the Holy Spirit, I get baptized right there. But I, I'm telling you guys, when that happened, that October of 97, man, I had never tasted emotion like that. I, I, I felt more alive than I ever had been in my entire life. And on that same weekend, I, went, I met my future wife, Summer. Um, right after that, we started coming to Victory World Church uh, where, where I started getting challenged, started getting discipled there in 1998 by Pastor Dennis. Um, we started serving in the two-year-old room here. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. We were just trying to corral the little Tasmanian devils, you know? Um, <laughs> And so I graduated University of Georgia with a geography degree. And uh, I found myself doing crime mapping here in Atlanta. And I used to kind of like be like, hey, that whole season was wasted until I started thinking about what I was doing, that, that I was in essence taking really complex data and trying to simplify it so that the ones who heard it and saw it could run with it. 
So in the process of that, I married Summer. We joined, instantly joined a, a fusion young adult married small group, uh, which saved our marriage from the jump, like from the first step, being in small group saved our marriage. Uh, six months in, they asked us to help to lead the small group. A little bit after that, we're leading small groups. We're coaching multiple groups. I preach at the nursing home, which I'm sure was terrible. But for me, I was like, oh, what is that? Like, what it? What is, I've never felt that before. Like, what is, is that what passion feels like? And in the process of that, I start feeling like maybe, maybe God's calling me to do something like that with my life. And so in the process of that, I actually um, became the, the pastor of the English speaking side of a Korean Baptist church <laughs> over on Beach Street Industrial Boulevard. And if you don't know what that means, if you're not familiar, an English-speaking side of a Korean church is the youth group. <laughs> That's really what it was. Um, but the reason why I did it is because I was asking this question, like, is this really something I want to do with my life? Like, do I really like this? Like, I would hate to, like, put all my eggs in a basket and find out that I hate it, right? So I was like, let me taste it. Like, what would it look like if I actually did this on an ongoing basis? And then, and then after doing that for a little while, Pastor Dennis tapped me and he said, hey, you're gonna be the fusion pastor. And so he called me to it. And what I realized in the midst of that, I had some gifts that, that one of my gifts was actually being able to take the Bible and apply it to people's lives. Like I would sit down with people and they'd be talking about their issues. And I would say like, you know, God has a lot to say about this in the Bible, right? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, look. And they're like, that changed, you changed my life. I didn't change nothing. God did. Here it is, right? You know? And in the process of that, Pastor Dennis starts calling me into the executive meetings, all right? And so the leadership lid on my life starts going up. We launch out to start Hamilton Mill there in 2010. And through that, this passion started rising inside my heart. And how I would articulate it at that time was, um, I, my passion is to reach men whose biggest concern in life is that their grass is green and the Falcons win on Sunday, but they're convinced that they're Christians because they went to, to church as a kid, but they're actually going to hell because they have no faith in Christ. They have a, a churchianity, not a Christianity. And so the, this, this heart for souls started coming up inside my heart. And now here being in this role for two years, what, what God is starting to, to pull out of me is this passion. You see it everywhere of emancipating greatness, right? Is the fact that you and I are made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. God put gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of you that are screaming to get out of you. And so what we have to do is get rid of all the junk, the mess, the sin, the shame, the condemnation, right? To come fully alive in Christ for his glory and for our good. And what I've discovered is in hindsight, looking back, is that I found myself with this kind of like this God grace to be able to grow into the size of the fishbowl that I found myself in. Does that make sense? All right, so I could lead 12 in a small group. And then I was put in as a coach, I could lead 50. And I was put at Fusion, I could lead 300. I was put at Hamilton Mill, I could lead 2,000. Now here in this role, it still freaks me out a little bit, like literally tens of thousands of people, right? So that's me. Now, I know some of you are like, what does that have to do with me? Right? Like, it just sounds like you're bragging. <laughs> you know? Stay with me. Here's, the, here's what you don't understand. One, how long it's taken me to be able to see that and say that. But I think what we can do is if we start looking here, we can start seeing some ideas. Here's the first idea I want to share with you. Maybe this is a little bit encouraging to you is that I've never once 
audibly heard God call me to do this. No, I know some of you are like, Mm. Uh, I'm not a theologian, but uh, shouldn't you have? Like, you know, just kind of winging it every week. No, listen, I've heard other people say that I'm called to this. I felt like maybe God called me to this. I've had dreams of God clarifying, right? I've had prophetic words spoken over me. Right, but I've never once like been in prayer, you know, looking up at the sky like we all do. We're like, God, write it in the clouds. Like, is it a unicorn? What's a unicorn mean? Like, we're listening to song lyrics. We're like, Are you talking to me, Lord? Right? I've never once been in prayer and heard like, Johnson, this is God. <laughs> you are called to be the senior pastor of Victory Church. I've never heard that, but there's been a number of things which made it clear that this was what I was called to do. And here, in hindsight, as I look back, I think there are three parts of my story that got me into God's calling on my life. And they're the same three parts of your story that if you're able to identify them, could begin adding some clarity and some direction and some momentum to the call of God in your life. And so think about it like this. There may not be a, a map, right, that you can kind of pull out and be like, hey, that's where I'm called to go. There may not be a map for calling, but I believe that there is a GPS for calling, okay? So GPS, if you're familiar with the technology, uses satellites to triangulate your position, right? To show you where you are and to be able to give clarity on where you need to go. And so the question is this, what if there was a GPS for the soul, right? What if there was a GPS that could show us where God has placed us, what God has done in us and where God is calling us? And the good news is I believe that there is. And so I wanna dive into that with, with the time that we have, okay? So uh, a friend of mine, Rob Wagner, uh, wrote a book called Find Your Place. And so if you wanna like go all in on this, look it up on Amazon, whatever you gotta do, find your place, Rob Wagner. So I'm gonna borrow a little bit from that. So the question is, how do we use GPS to identify our call, and to begin getting direction so we can crawl, walk, and eventually run into the calling of God on our life. What is our GPS? G, the first thing is this, is our gifts. It's our gifts, okay? So part of knowing and discovering what you're called to is beginning to identify the gifts that God has given you. And let me say it like this. I believe this. I believe that for everything that God has called you to, he has gifted you for. I'm gonna say it again. For everything that God has called you to, he has gifted you for, right? So if God has a call on your life, he has put the gifts in your life to accomplish that call. Now, you may not believe that because you don't see that, but it's there. It may be in seed form. It may be small. You may be using it for something else. It definitely needs to be developed, but God has given gifts in your life. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this, as each one has received a gift. Now, notice what it does not say. As the pastors have received the gift. Come on, as the missionaries received the gift. As the influencers, are, no, 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 no. Each one, that means you. That means you. As each one has received the gift. You've received a gift from God. Now, the question is, what are we supposed to do with our gifts? We're supposed to use our gifts to minister to one Another. So here's the idea, guys. You can really do three things with your gift. You can either hide it, you can use it only for money, which by the way, I don't think God has a problem with you using your gifts for a job, which by the way is a fantastic thing to do. 
But what we have to do is we have to also arrive at the place of using our gifts to serve one another, right? Because we wanna be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, here, 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 uh, Peter's doing a little something sneaky right here, okay? So in Greek, the word for grace is charis, all right? And the word for gifts is charisma. So what he's saying is this, God's charis is where our charisma comes from. God's grace is what gives us gifts. So he has given us grace gifts. God's grace is what gives us gifts. How much grace does he have? The manifold. There's a whole lot of grace that gives a whole lot of different gifts to a whole lot of different people. That's why your mama wasn't lying when she said you're like a snowflake, right? Like there's nobody just like you. Like God threw away the mold when he made you. God put those gifts that are just uniquely you with your personality, with your characteristics, with everything. You are uniquely you. So if anyone speaks, let them speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, that word in the Greek again is serves. If anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So when we put our gifts to you serving each other, God gets the glory. We get joy, and the whole body is built up. And what Peter's saying right here is he's saying, listen, if God gave you the gift to speak, own it, embrace it. Stop being like, well, no, no, I'm not very good at that. I don't know, I just, somebody else can, no, embrace it, do it. The whole world is waiting for those gifts that God put in you to get out. If God gave you the gift to serve, to minister to people, do it, embrace it, own it. Put one foot in front of the other and start doing it because God has given you gifts. Romans 12, Paul, Paul continues on. We have different gifts according to the grace. There it is again, the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Come on, whatever you got, do it. Let it out. Go, stop being so shy about it. So what are your gifts? Maybe it's leading, maybe it's encouraging. I wanna highlight one thing right here that's important for us. Maybe it's giving. Do you know that there's a gift of giving? Like there's a call on all of us, obviously, to give, right? But there's also such a thing as a gift to giving. I was just somewhere um, last month, and I won't name drop, but I was around somebody that a lot of people know. And what they said was, um, we're in a mixed group, and he said, hey, God's given me the gift to write. It's easy to be an author. And he looked at me and he said, Johnson, it's easy for you to preach. And there was a business guy in the back and he said, hey, it's easy for me to make money. And everybody was like. <laughs> Two scoops, Lord. Two scoops. No. Now, but listen, God has gifted you. God has graced some of you with the gift to make money. So let there be a gift right beside that of giving, and that's your gift. Listen, don't lust after somebody else's gift. Look in your own backpack of what God gave you for the journey. Embrace it, work with it. What did God give you? Maybe, maybe you're really good at putting sentences together creatively. Maybe you're a great writer. 
Maybe you can understand numbers. Maybe you can build things. Maybe you're good with computers. Maybe you can create videos. Maybe you tell stories through video really well. Um, maybe uh, uh, you can sing. Maybe, you, maybe you're good on an instrument, right? So think about David, right? David was a shepherd, right? So he kills the lion. He kills the bear. And then he walks into the camp. Here's Goliath mocking the armies of the living God. And he's like, I got this. And everybody's like, who do you think you are? You're just a shepherd boy. You're not even in the army. He's like, no, no, no. I know what God has gifted me at. I'm great at kicking butt. (laughs) Did it with the lion, did it with the bear. This dude's gonna be just like them because David knew his gifts. He was gifted as a warrior, right? And so, listen, I used to be so shy about it, but I finally come to the place to say God has given me gifts. Now, here's the deal. Here's why it sounds braggadocious when somebody talks about their gifts because everybody else is insecure about their gifts. But when somebody's actually discovered what they're good at, sounds like they're bragging. No, listen, there are a thousand things I'm not good at, okay? And we could, we could spend a whole series talking about that, right? But what God has put inside me, listen, I, I have the ability to speak. I have the ability to teach God's word. I have the ability to pastor, cast vision, to assemble a team, to head in a certain direction, right? And here, in, in hindsight, that's why I wasn't fulfilled at the job that I was working making maps, now, did I, did I curse that job, right? No, listen, I wanted to work as unto the Lord in anything that I was doing. And thank God for that job because it put food on the table and paid the bills and it provided the opportunity for me to step into, rise into the, when somebody had a conversation with me saying, hey, you should lead a small group. So I was able to start doing this thing on the side while provision was made over here. And as I started letting those gifts out, I started seeing, it started getting confirmed from other people, the things I was good at. And I started putting more and more and more into this to the place where a job finally opened up in my gifts. And I'm gonna say this to you guys. You can take whatever gifts God gave you and use them to glorify him and enjoy him forever. You can take whatever gift God gave you. Some of you are like, little old me. (laughs) Yes, yes, you. Listen, I don't know how, but there's a way. There's a way. You can take whatever gift God has given you to glorify him and enjoy him forever. I I was talking with a a friend of mine who's in education, and uh, he he knows somebody who illustrates this perfectly. So a friend of his, um, they came to faith getting their third PhD in mathematics. Does that just make you angry? Like, <laughs> to be that smart about something that I don't understand at all. Like, I, listen, I get mad when I hear that Rubik's Cubes are about math. I'm like, no, it's not. It's about colors. <laughs> Red on one side and you on the other. guys are like, done, formula in my brain. I'm like, no, it's colors. So this guy becomes a Christian getting his third PhD in mathematics. And here's how he tells the story. I love this. Oh, God, I love this. He was studying. He's one of the handful of people in the world um, in this special form of chaos theory. And here's what he said. He said, I've discovered that at the end of math is God. said, I was, I was pressing into the disorder of the universe. And at the end of the disorder, I found order. And his name is Jesus. So this guy comes to faith in Jesus, but here's the problem. You have three PhDs in mathematics. Like, how do you get a job? Like, what do you do with that, right? He's brilliant, like just insanely brilliant guy. And here's the problem. Not a whole lot of people can pay you to do what you do, but the ones who can 
And so what happens is this guy finds himself on platforms where even communist governments are inviting him to come in to work with their space programs about how do you launch satellites out so calculating the gravitational pull of Jupiter and the asteroid belt out here. How do you send things out working with chaos theory to be able to do that? So he finds himself in countries and places that are hostile to the gospel, but his gift made a way for him to stand in front of people where he proclaims Christ. And he's using his gift for the glory of God and getting joy in the process. I'm telling you guys, you can take whatever gift God has given you You can use it for the glory of God and enjoy him in the process. So say it with me. Say it with me, okay? I have have God-given gifts. gifts. Come on, Hamilton Mill, Midtown, North Cobb. Come on, come on, come on. I have have God-given gifts. gifts. One more time. I have have God-given gifts. So here's the thing, guys. Some of those gifts are easy to see. Some of those things you already know. Some of those things are gonna need to be called out by other people who see you and love you and not your mama, because your mama thinks you're good at everything. <laughs> All, right? All right, you need to be in the context of a people, a tribe, right, who can call that out of you. And maybe even, even we've, um, we're, we're rolling out something here, even at Victory, a gifts assessment that could help you in that process, all right? And so that's gonna be on the Connect to Victory page. We'll give you some more instruction on that in just a few minutes that maybe help you begin to discover, oh, I actually am good at that. Is it okay to say I'm good at something, right? To begin discovering the gifts that God put on the inside of you. But here's the big thought, okay? Is the gifts, just your gifts, aren't the final word on what your calling is. Right, because I was pretty good at baseball. I was pretty good at acting, but God clearly did not call me to those things. But when I look beneath the surface of why I was good at those things, I start noticing maybe there were some underlying gifts that God put inside me. Because you can use your gifts to do a thousand different things, but the question is, what is the right thing that I need to be doing with my gifts? So how do I, be, how do I continue triangulating my position through GPS past my gifts? So GP, so I need to identify my gifts, and then I need to embrace my passions. We need to embrace our passions. So here's the question. What excites you? What energizes you? What do you lose track of time when you're doing it? I love how Frederick Buchner said it. Um, he, he just passed away as a pastor, just passed away. He said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I love that. I'm going to say it again. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger collide. Don't you want that? Man, that's a life that's thriving, a life of significance. Because here's the thing. I don't want to just do the things I like doing, right, that are empty, that are void, that have no meaning. But what would happen if there's actually things that I'm passionate about that could meet a deep need in the world? So therefore, I'm getting joy in the process and accomplishing, bringing God's kingdom with what I'm doing. And think about this, guys. This is why Jesus was always so energized, right? Y'all remember one time when Jesus met a woman at a well? Y'all remember that, that thing, right? So uh, what happened is the disciples go off to get food, all right? They're gonna swing by McDonald's. And Jesus spends the rest of the afternoon um, bringing the love of God into the broken places of this woman's life. And then the disciples come back and they ask Jesus, like, hey, do you want some food, right? You're probably hungry. And Jesus gives the most Jesus answer ever. But he said to them, I have food to eat. John 4, he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they're like, did he like sneak a Slim Jim or something? Like, what, what? 
But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Think about this even in the natural, what's food? Food is what gives you energy. And this is why Jesus was always so passionate. This is why Jesus was always so energized because he was consistently, constantly putting one foot in front of the other to do the will of God. And I'm telling you guys, if you've been in the place where you've led somebody to faith in Jesus Christ, if you, if you put your gifts, whatever those God-given unique gifts that God put inside you, if you actually release those, if you've stepped out in faith, you know the passion, you know what I'm talking about, where you leave that moment and you're like, woo! I didn't even know that was possible to feel this way. Like you were on cloud nine, man. And, and here's, the, here's the reality, guys. What causes people to backslide more than anything else is not doing what they're passionate about. You get apathetic, you get lazy, the throttle pulls back. This is the problem, a lot of people did this during COVID, right? Like we just kind of get discouraged, we just get passive, we hide behind the mat. Our whole life just kind of slows down and then we notice we're not as passionate about Jesus as we used to be. We stopped going to church, now I'm spiritual but not religious. I don't go to church, I am the church, right? Which is one step away from being an agnostic. And let me say it like this, guys. If you aren't doing, you're definitely drifting. If you aren't doing, you're definitely drifting. You're definitely dabbling in sin. You're definitely, because if you're not engaging in, in, in purposeful, passionate things that your heart gets excited about, your heart will throttle back and then you'll start looking at everything that glimmers. Jesus was full of life. Jesus was full of energy. Jesus was full of passion because he was doing what the Father had called him to do. So here's the question is we start triangulating our calling, right? Where does what I'm good at collide with what I'm passionate about? Come on, what I'm good at collides with what I'm passionate about because I do believe that there's a space for every single one of us where you can do what God loves to do that you love too. Guys, the first time I preached, again, it was probably terrible, but something in here was like, whoa, I've never felt that before. And I'm telling you guys, my family can vouch for this. On Sundays, when I leave here, I'm worthless. Man, I'm so spent. I leave it all in the field. I go home. You can't even call what I do a nap. It is not a siesta. It is a hibernation. I wake up when everybody else is going to sleep. You know, like at the end of the night. You know what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, it is like I had the best meal of my life every time I leave here. I am so fulfilled, I am so energized. My body is tired, but my soul, I have food that you, some of you don't even know about. I'm feasting, man. I'm feasting. And so listen, your goal isn't be like, well, I need to find a platform where I can preach. No, 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 no. What's your food? What's your food? What are you passionate about? What makes you pound your fist on the table and be like, I need to do that. Somebody's gotta do something about that. Might as well be me. Maybe, maybe it's about the prison pipeline. Come on, maybe it's about the homeless situation wherever you live, right? Maybe it's about the world's agenda for our kids, right? Maybe it's the lack of discipleship in the church. Maybe it's become, you're becoming more and more disgruntled or passionate about the fact that on Sunday mornings you get in your car and you drive past all of your lost neighbors who are going to hell to hang out in a building with a bunch of people who are going to heaven and you don't know how to take this back there to your neighborhood. Here's what I'd say. 
we need to pay attention to our passions because along the way, we might just find our calling. So where's the places I triangulate it, right? Where my gifts and my passion, GP, and the last thing is this, the S, my story come together. What we have to do is we have to identify our gifts, we have to embrace our passions, then we have to own our story. When you take an honest look back at your story, all right, certain themes begin to emerge that are, make you uniquely you. It's not my story, it's your story, right? God will use your story in the past to tell your story in the future. So let me say it like this. What would, ha- like if you could just imagine in your mind's eye, right? Like you're gonna lock arms with Jesus and you're gonna walk down the hallway of your life and on this side are all the blessings, on that side are all the brokens. What story starts to emerge? What themes do you start to see as you walk? Because I believe this, sometimes you have to look backwards to go forwards, right? Sometimes I have to look back at my story in the past to understand the story that God's gonna tell in the future. So for me, me, listen. And again, I, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm here, so sometimes there's 20-20 hindsight. For me, if I looked at my story, I would see a life that leads to this, right? I grew up in church. I know church people. I know church culture. I know all the things we do to check the box while at the same time not knowing the Lord. I know what it's like to be around people and to put on the face but have nothing inside your heart. I know that. I was that, right? But then I came to faith, right? And then God redirected my life. He actually picked me up out of North Carolina and out of the purpose and all the things that I was gonna do and he set my feet down on the rock in Georgia, baptized me in the Holy Spirit, redirected my life. I met a wife who loved Jesus. By the way, guys, that's incredibly important. We started attending Victory. We started leading a small group, started coaching small groups, came on staff, young adult pastor, campus pastor to the point where I'm standing right here. And through the ups and the downs, the lefts and the rights, the zigs and the zags, right? I can see a direction. I can see a momentum. I can see the themes of the story that God was telling in my life. Think about it like this. What about Moses? Right? It's easy to see why God did what God did in Moses' life. But Moses didn't know it, right? Moses was just living his life. Moses was a hunted child, right? Because Pharaoh's killing all the babies. So Moses is actually saved miraculously, but then he's brought into Pharaoh's house. Listen, Moses grows up in the enemy's house in the enemy's ways. Moses is trained in leadership. Moses knows the good, the bad, and Moses knows all of it. God brings him out, encounters him at the burning bush, brings him into the wilderness, and then sends him back in to deliver the people from the place that he was. And so you look at Moses' life and you're like, of course, of course. Moses didn't know that. Moses sitting out in the wilderness being like, oh no, God, what am I doing out here, right? But we see the theme of the story. God, listen, this is one of the things that God loves to do more than anything else. He loves to deliver people from a place, heal them, equip them, empower them, and then send them back into that place to bring more out. And this is where we see Romans 8, 28 come alive. And we know that God causes everything, everything, everybody say everything, everything to work together for the good. It's not all good, but it can work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Listen, it's not all good. You've heard it said before. It's like cake ingredients. You wouldn't want to eat flour or baking soda, but when you mix it all together, there's something special 
that happens in the midst of all that. And God has a way when you love God and are called according to his purpose. God kisses all the, all the failures, all, all the brokenness, and God, God recycles our regrets and he turns them into a new purpose. God takes the parts of our story that you would be so embarrassed about to stand up here on a platform and share it. And God takes exactly that to turn and propel you into your calling. Listen, so if you ask the question, like if you looked across your life, where has God blessed me? And how can I use that blessing to bless other people? Where has God healed all my brokenness? And how can I take that to be used to heal other people's brokenness? Listen, this is why some of the people who do the best marriage ministry are the people who have experienced the most brokenness in their marriage. Right? This is why some of the people who can minister to trauma victims who've been through terrible things like abuse and rape, right, are those who have been through that themselves. This is why people, some of the best people to minister to addicts are the ones who used to be addicted, but God set them free. This is why some of the people can bring the most hope to parents whose kids have gone off the rail are parents whose kids have gone off the rails, but God put it all back together again. Listen, listen, guys, we cannot allow our shame, our guilt, our condemnation, um, um, our, our desire for secrecy to hide God's story in our lives. In fact, I'd say it like this, okay? Is that God can and will use all the beautiful and broken pieces of your story for his glory. God can, and if you'll let him, God can and will use all the beautiful and the broken pieces of your story for his glory. So, when you take your gifts, your passion, your story, and then you look at the dreams God has given you, when you look at the words that have been spoken over you, a picture begins to emerge. Now, now there's actually a little bit of a framework. Think about it like this. Now there's actually a little bit of a framework of how to say no to certain things and how to say yes to other things because I can look at my gifts, I can look at my passion, I can look at my story and say like, it doesn't even make sense, why would I say yes to that? Oh, but this over here? Man, maybe I can walk through that door. L listen, depending on your age or stage of life, um, this, this, your gifts, your passion, your story, it begins giving clarity to what college you should go to or whether or not you should go to college, right? Or what type of major you should declare or, 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 your gifts, your passion, your story. Maybe it means that you need to start working on changing your career into a hobby and your hobby into a career. Ooh. It helps you know how to serve, how to give, how to live, right? As you know your gifts, your passion, your story. So here's the thought, guys. I'm not telling you to like burn the ships and quit your job today. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You could line up asking for financial assistance. Next week, you're like, oh no, I just listened to the sermon, quit my job. Now listen, if God's telling you to do it, obviously do it. Don't let me stand in the way, okay? But I'd say this, you don't have to have it all figured out, but maybe, maybe a really good question today is this. What's a hobby I need to pick back up? What's a passion I need to lean back into, right? And how can I begin getting around a people that can help me see this and the people I can live this out with. You know, even in my own story, this, this, this highlights the uncontested mandate of why community is so necessary, right? You know, um, 
when, when Summer and I entered into small group, when we entered into community here at Victory so many years ago, what it did, it gave me a people that could begin seeing things that I was good at that I couldn't even see it. Um, it began giving me a place and a people to begin expressing and, and articulating some of the passions that were inside my heart. It gave me a place and a people where I could begin processing through some of the broken places of my story, right? And I could start getting healed so I could start giving away what God had done inside me. I'm telling you guys, I, I, I have, I, especially then, I mean, I still battle from time to time, but especially then I struggle with so much insecurity that the importance of community, of people saying, hey, you're good at that. You know, as Pastor Dennis said, hey, you're called to that. As, as God would say things, but then other people would come alongside it. I'm telling you what it did, it helped me to begin putting one foot in front of the other so I could say no to certain things and yes to other things through my gifts, my passion, and my story. And that's why, that's why, I believe that every single person in this church should be a part of a small group. I believe that. With everything in me, I believe that. Right? You need to be a part of some form of community, a place and a people where you can live out your gifts, where you can serve one another, where you can be um, passionate, where you can have your broken parts of your, your story healed and the blessed parts of your story, you can give those things away. And so today, in just a second, you know, I'm, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna break out at all the campuses, but you're gonna have an opportunity today to get involved in small group. Okay, all of our small groups are open and back up. Okay, today. So you can get involved, whether it's a men's group, a women's group, a married group, a young adult group, um, a financial group. We got a lot of different places where you can land, okay? Here's the other thing I would tell you. Um, you need to get involved in serving, okay? Why, why? Well, because we need help. No, no, no. You need to, yeah, okay, yes, yes, we do need help. <laughs> yes, we do need help. Let me say that. We need help as the church, but you need to serve, like, like you weren't just made to just hold it all in, right? Something comes alive on the inside of us. We're talking about discovering calling. We need to start letting our gifts out, right? And so maybe some of you don't know what those gifts are, and that's why we have a gifts assessment. So I think we got a, like a QR code, like a quick link um, for it, if we can just throw that up there, yeah. So it's on the connectivictory.com page uh, under resources, but there's a, there's a quick link to that. And so we've already had like five, 600 people go through this before even really talking about it. And so um, go through this, like maybe you can discover some of your gifts along the way, but that may help you to discern how do I need to let those gifts out? How? To serve one another, right? How do we serve one another through our gifts? And so um, the question we always get is like, hey, where does the church need help? Always children's ministry. Always, always children's ministry. Um, but here's what I'd say. Don't just serve where we need help. Serve where you're gifted, where you're passionate, and maybe where some of the breadcrumbs of your story would lead you down. Because I'm telling you, as you start expressing your gifts, you might start gaining momentum. And then a calling begins to emerge as you serve one another. So maybe some of you, you're, you're in sales. I would challenge you, maybe you need to use that gift of communication to teach our elementary students the gospel. Maybe you're friendly, maybe you're a hostess at work. Maybe God's leading you to be on the greeters. Whatever that is, maybe you're, maybe you're technically minded and you can express that in production. Whatever that is, I would challenge you to take that step, especially if you're newer to the church or you throttled back during COVID, okay? It's time to stop sitting on the sidelines and it's time to start using our gifts for God's glory and in the process, God will refine it and reveal your calling. I believe that. 
Others of us, you have an opportunity to sign up for leading. Some of us, we've been, we've been following for way too long. We have been a Christian for way too long and you need to be leading in some area. And here's my belief. As we lead in departments or in small groups, God, will, um, God can use and leverage the leadership we learn here to be able to lead out there. All right, so if you're looking at how to lead in life, maybe a good place to begin is leading in God's house. All right, and here's the last thing I, I just kind of want to highlight because I, I, I kind of see this on a spectrum, right? Maybe some of you just need to start being in a small group or start serving or start bleeding, and I see this thing over here. And so I've been alluding to this for a number of months, and I'm finally able today to crack the door on house churches, okay? So let me give you just enough to whet your appetite, all right? Um, there are many of you, and I just say it like this, there are many of you who have gifts and callings on your life, and you express those in the church, you serve, you led, all that, but you found out a little un, un, unspoken thing that there's only so high you can go in the church. And so you hit that glass ceiling, and you did that for a year, two years, four years, whatever that is, and you kind of fizzled out, and now you're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, but you know God has a calling on your life for more. And maybe that gift and that passion, that story begin to align. And here's what I'd say. What would it look like for some of you? And this isn't a call for everybody, but what would it look like for some of you to be a neighborhood pastor? What would it look like for you to own the spiritual condition of your neighborhood or your community or your apartment complex, whether you're here in Atlanta or you're in Texas or you're in South Africa, wherever you are today, right? What would it look like for you to, to plant a victory spiritual family there? What if you opened up the doors to your house? What if you hosted a victory service? What if you broke bread, were a disciple who made disciple, had pastoral care happening inside that house, and then you started living on mission together wherever you are? Especially like if you're not here locally, what, instead of just sitting behind a computer watching yourself, what if you actually started something? What if you planted a missional community exactly where you are? And so here's the thought, guys. Let me just go ahead and cut it off at the pass. If you're looking for a pastor's title, this is not for you. If you don't like unbelievers, this is not for you. If you don't like kids, this is not for you. <laughs> but if you love your neighborhood and you wanna see the kingdom come, this might be for you. And so your next step is signing up for an interest meeting, okay? And so again, that's on that one-step page, connectivictory.com. Go to one step, scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see something about house churches right there. And here's what I believe. Wherever we are, we can take one step. And I've been saying this for a year and a half and I mean it more today than I ever have before. It is time to emancipate God's greatness in your life. You are made in the image of God. He put his gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of you and it is past time to start letting those things out for the glory of God and for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, let's do this across all of our campuses. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray for a minute. Oh God, you are good. You are good. You are so good. All the time, you are good. Mm, we love you. And, and here's what I acknowledge, Father. God, every single person here in this house is fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you smiled when you formed them in their mother's womb. God, you had joy when you thought about adopting them into your family. And God, you have put these gifts and these passions and formed this unique story, God, that makes every single person completely different from everybody else. Nobody has that mix of gift, passion, and story like you do, guys. And so God did that for a reason. 
God did it for a reason. He did it so you could glorify him and enjoy him forever. To let it out in your own unique way. To begin crawling and walking, eventually running in the calling of God on your life. And so, Father, my prayer for us is that you would begin, by your grace, revealing those gifts that you've given us. God, that you would help us to identify some of those God-sparked passions inside our life that, that would bring us great gladness while meeting a deep need in the world. And Father, shine your light on both the broken and the blessed parts of our story and how you're redeeming those things for your glory. In Jesus' name, thank you for that, God. But here's what I know, you know, even as we look at Romans 8, 28, here's what it says. God works it all together for the good of who? Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so here's the reality. There's some of us today, maybe online or our campuses or this space, wherever we're at, who just say, walking in here, I'm not even sure I love God. But the door is open today. And that door's name is Jesus. <laughs> and he is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's the way into a life that becomes new where God starts putting it all together and making it beautiful. And guys, if, 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 if that's in you today, if you sense this gravity just kind of pulling you to say yes to Jesus, I want us to pray together. And as a family, I want us to all pray. Come on, everybody together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to die for my sin. Thank you. You are the son of God who paid the ultimate price. So I would not die, but I would live forever. So right now, I repent and I turn from my sin and my way and my rebellion. I submit to Jesus Christ as my King and my Savior. And right now, because of faith, I am free and I am healed and I am forgiven. God is my father and I'm your child. You have my past, my present, and the rest of my life. Help me to live a life that glorifies you. Help me enjoy you forever. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Hey, let's hold our hands up to the Lord. This is, this is our sign of surrender. This is just saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. God, I pray that today, in this next season would just be such a special season that we can look back on. God, of seeing your hand at work. God, guiding us, nudging us, directing us towards this purpose, deeper into the calling that you have for us through our gifts, passion, and our story. God, there is such great gladness that awaits those who walk in the call of God on their lives. And there's such great glory for the Lord in this world. And there's such a great revival awaiting those who would say yes to Christ on the other side of our obedience. So may you be glorified, may you be honored. May we do all this in Jesus' great name. And everybody said, amen and amen. amen. <laughs>